If you're subscribed to our new YouTube channel, I've put the link in the show notes just in case you're not, then you probably already seen today's podcast because on March the 15th, Jeremy Hunt presented his budget and it changed everything about the way NHS pensions tax works. So we talk about the changes to the dreaded annual allowance and the fact that the lifetime allowance has been abolished. We talk about negative growth and we talk about some exciting tax planning opportunities that are opening up that help you if you're hovering around any of those dreaded marginal tax rates that we mention all the time on the podcast. So if you're about to lose your tax-free childcare because you're going over 100,000 of adjusted net income, you definitely need to listen to this. So we ummed and ahed about presenting this as a podcast because the YouTube has got slides and graphs and it explains the complex calculations. And if you want the full experience, just head to YouTube. But also know that you might not have hours to sit down and watch YouTube and you might be listening to this on your way to work. So hopefully the podcast is still useful. Right, let's get into today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for subscribing and listening to the podcast, definitely check out our YouTube. And if you think this would help any of your colleagues, I know so many of you have shared it with them, but feel free to share it with them. And I think I should get a bonus point because I recorded this whole introduction with my three-year-old sitting on my lap. And she's just told me that she's lost a hair clip and needs my help. So I'm gonna get off and sort that out and I'll leave you to watch or listen to the episode. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. It is my pleasure to welcome back Graham Crosley today. Hi, Graham. Hi there, Tommy. Thanks for having me back. So... Do you want to give yourself the quick intro and then I've got a few things to say, mainly about the Martin Lewis Money Show, which you featured on, and also why we had to rip up the original script for today's podcast and are basically fully ad-libbing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, because the budget was quite quite the significant change. Yeah, I, um, I, I uh, do a number of things within the NHS pension sector. One of the key things is that I run Medifintech, who provides NHS pension technical support to financial advisors, to accountants, as well as to members directly. We've got a team of about eight NHS pension specialists, most of whom have formerly worked at NHS pensions agency within like the annual allowance teams, etc. So we have one of the technically strongest teams within the country when it comes to NHS pensions. Awesome. So can we talk about Martin Lewis? <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> being beamed out to millions of viewers talking about pensions. In fact, it was a very great show, actually, because it was talking about pensions in general. But there were a few NHS pension questions which the the other panellists didn't want to take, so they asked me onto the show to answer those. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it definitely shows that the need for specialisation in the NHS pension is so niche and is so complicated, and that's why we invited you back today. Our previous YouTube video was so popular, and then I sent you a sort of example script where we were going to talk about the lifetime allowance and do some myth busting because there was lots of myths around the lifetime allowance. Yes. You know, it's an allowance, not a limit. And we were all scheduled in. We had a script drafted out, and then Jeremy did his spring budget, and quite a bit changed. So. The lifetime allowance script got ripped up and now we're just freestyling. So what we're we going to talk about today and let's get straight into the changes that have been made. 
Yeah, so I know both of us have put quite a bit of stuff on Twitter already on this, but what we're going to do is we're going to go through the spring budget and how it kind of updates from the brown envelope video that we did last year. So if I fire straight on in, just to the very quick headlines, and then we'll go into some detail. So to start off with, one of the announcements we were kind of suspecting was that the annual allowance has been increased. So that's been increased to sort of £60,000 from the 6th of April 2023. They've also tinkered a little bit with some of the taper rules as well. So the minimum tapered annual allowance has now been increased to £10,000. And the adjusted income, which is part of that calculation, and I'll come on to that in a bit more detail as we go through, that's also been increased. But one of the other interesting things, is they're now introducing this combined pension input amount for the 9508 scheme and the 2015 scheme, which sounds innocuous, but it could have a huge impact in reducing members' annual allowance charges. And again, let's cover that in a second in a bit more detail. And then finally, the LTA charge is going to be abolished from the 6th of April 2023. And I seem to laugh every time I speak to an accountant or financial advisor about this because it was very unexpected that they were going to abolish the lifetime allowance charge in its entirety. It's a huge, huge change. But there's already talk, of course, from opposition that they would undo this LTA charge abolition. Although, so that people don't start getting really worried about this, Labour have also said that they would seek to try and assist medics. So whilst this might not persist in perpetuity, I would imagine that there would still be favourable terms that are going to be available for healthcare workers. So let's sort of delve more into detail then on the annual allowance. So as a complete refresher, then the annual allowance is the limit to the amount of contributions that you can pay into a defined contribution pension scheme, like a personal pension or a SIP, as well as the total of benefits that you can build up within a defined benefit pension scheme, such as your NHS pension for tax relief purposes. Now, this applies to all of the schemes you belong to, not just the NHS pension. And it also includes any contributions that your employer makes, particularly, for example, if you've got a private practice and you make employer contributions, also includes all of these. And if you exceed in any one year, you can offset any unused allowances from the previous three tax years under a mechanism that's called carry forward. But if you still exceed the allowance, then any excess is charged at your marginal rate of tax. Now, this started off as very large numbers aimed squarely at those in the city who are trying to sort of shelter their income from income tax by putting it into pensions. So we saw the limit come down to 50,000, then to 40,000. Then we had these new mechanisms that could reduce it further still to 10 and then subsequently to 4,000. And then budget has just changed that and put them back upwards. So the annual has now gone up to 6,000, but it could still be reduced to 10,000 pounds. Now, in a defined contribution scheme, like a personal pension or SIP, it's very easy to look at what your annual allowance is and where you are. You just look at how much you've put in. But within the NHS pension, your annual allowance is not based on your NHS pension contributions at all. It's based on the growth of your pension benefits, something called the pension input amount. Now, the way this has worked out is that they look at the value of your benefits at the end of the pension input period, which is now the tax year, 6th of April to the 5th of April. So they work out what your pension is at the end of the tax year, that pension multiplied by 16 and add the lump sum entitlement, and that's your closing value. 
From that, they then take away the value of your benefits at the start of the year. So they take the pension, multiply that by 16, and then add the lump sum. But this time, there's an allowance for inflation. So they will increase it by one plus CPI, and they use the September CPI from before the tax year starts, and then your closing value less your opening value is your pension input amount. That's the growth figure when it comes to your annual allowance charge. And those are the numbers you see on your annual allowance savings statement. So that closing value is literally in the 95 scheme, your pension times by 16 plus lump sum. So if you want to work out whatever your pension was at any point in time, we'll just divide that number by 19. Or if you're in the 08 scheme or 15 scheme, divide those closing values by 16. And it also shows you the growth figures. So it has the latest year's growth figure as well as those from the previous three years for carry forward purposes. Although if ever you're doing carry forward calculations, always go back much further than the last three years because whilst carry forward lets you use unused allowances for the last three years, those three years are impacted by the three years prior to them. So sometimes, however, you don't have a full annual allowance and that is because of annual allowance taper. So annual allowance taper was introduced in April 16 to restrict pension tax relief if your adjusted income at the time was more than 150,000. This was increased to 240,000 for 2020-21. And basically for every two pounds of income you've got above that adjusted income, your annual allowance is reduced by a pound. And it used to be you could be reduced by 30,000 and then it was 36,000. And so your annual allowance could go down to 10,000 pounds and even as far as 4,000 pounds from 2021. But there were two important stages for annual allowance taper. Not everybody gets this bit. The first one is this threshold income check. And then part two is this adjusted income calculation. So if we look at stage one, first of all, the tapered annual allowance only applies if you breach the threshold income limit. Now, originally this was set at 110,000 and it was then increased to 200,000 from 2021. And that was because nobody in the NHS wanted to do any extra work. Otherwise, you had a daft situation of a one pound extra earnings, got you a 13 and a half thousand pound tax bill. So that's why that threshold income limit was originally increased. But the way to work out what your threshold is, you take all of your income that is chargeable to income tax. So that's from every single source, so buy-to-lets, investments, private earnings, all of those, you add those together. You then also add in any salary sacrifice or flexible earnings arrangements that you set up after the 9th of July 2015, but only those where you've given up employment income in exchange for an employer pension contribution. So we're not talking about adding back in your car lease or adding back in your childcare vouchers, which I've seen happen in the past. It's just those where you gave up employment income for employer pension contributions, i.e. were you trying to fiddle the system? If you were, you have to add it. You can, however, take off personal pension contributions. And sometimes it can be worthwhile making a personal pension contribution to get yourself below the threshold income limit because you then don't have to go on to part two. Because if you stay below threshold income, you don't go on to stage two, you don't taper on your allowance. If you do breach it though, you then have to work out the adjusted income calculation. So you work out your threshold income from part one, and then you add the pension input amount. So that's that pension growth, that's closing value minus the opening value that we saw before. And that's the figure that you see on your annual allowance statements. And that is your total adjusted income. 
and then your annual allowance is reduced for a pound for every two so that you go over the adjusted income limit. And as I say, that was 240, well, it's currently 240,000, but in the budget, we have just had some changes. So that increased minimum tape has gone back up to 10,000 again. And the adjusted income threshold is now going up to 260,000. So suddenly there's a huge headroom for annual allowance taper for the, that should cover the majority of healthcare workers. There will still be some that might be subject to this, particularly in sort of increment years or if you take on management responsibilities. But this is as was. So you can see it was 40,000 40, tapering down to four. But now it's 60,000 tapering all the way down. So you need to be having total amounts over 360 in order to go all the way down to the 10,000. So this should cover the majority of the healthcare workers. Wow. If you'd done that on the Martin Lewis Money Show, like the audience's heads would have exploded. I know that our listeners know about this, but I just want to do a quick recap, make sure that I've understood it. Sure. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. And I want to ask some questions about these personal pension contributions, unless we're going to cover that later. So we talked about that, the changes that have been made in the budget. I won't repeat those. But then you've got the annual allowance, which is currently for this tax year, 40,000 unless you're tapered, but has now been increased for the 23-24 tax year to 60,000. And on balance, as you just demonstrated, that will help a lot, but not all doctors in all scenarios. But in general, it's positive news, but not completely, not a complete cure for the pensions problem. And then the annual allowance gets can be reduced by something called the taper. And then that's where you look at your threshold income, which you explained the calculation there of really clearly. And that's so complicated. I've seen plenty of people get that wrong. And that threshold is now 200,000. And then if you go over a threshold income of 200,000, then you start to look at your adjusted income, which was 240 and is now 260. What did I get wrong and what did I miss out? And I hope that helped some of our audience just to recap. You got it quite right. And as you say, though, it is ridiculously complicated the way that these all sort of interplay because adding figures from your self-assessment to work out, well, where did you get all your income from, all your bank accounts, everything else, you're then trying to add in figures that you get from your pension saving statements as well. So if you are in this category where you might be subject to taper, then I would strongly urge you to speak to a specialist medical accountant who will be able to help guide you through this and not make mistakes because there are a legion of mistakes that can be made with all of these calculations. And I'll tell you a little bit later of how much we've saved people from doing those types of things. So hopefully that's got everyone summarized. I love this graph as well. It's a nice uh, visual representation <laughs> of the improvements. Okay, that was just like the warm up. Now we're going really deep because we're getting into negative growth. We are, and again, apologies for the complexity on here, but it's a subject you can't avoid the complexity on it. But What's really peculiar within the pension schemes and why annual allowance, the calculations aren't really that brilliant for measuring is that you can have this position of negative growth. Now, negative growth occurs where in real terms, your pension has effectively gone down. So let's take, for example, somebody who's on £150,000 pensionable pay for the 95 scheme. They've got 20 years service. They're no longer accruing any more service because everyone's moved into the 2015 scheme now. But your pension at the start of the year is a 37500 with three times that for your lump sum. But let's assume there's a 5% pay award. And we already know that the annual ounce CPI rate that's going to be used is going to be 10.1% from September 2022. So we know if there's a 5% pay rise, their pay goes up to 157500 Their pension is basically 20 over 80 multiplied by that pensionable pay 
gives them this pension of £39,375 and three times that as a lump sum. So good thing about YouTube is you can pause on this, by the way, so if you want to recheck the calculations and get to understand it or rewind. So we need to work out those opening values and the closing values. So that's your your closing values, your pension value at the end of the year, multiply that by 16 at the lump sum. So in this scenario, closing value is 748,125. You then also need to work out what the value was at the start of the year. So is that old pension, the 37.5 times 16 plus the lump sum, but this time there's this allowance for inflation, which is at 10.1%. So the opening value is 784,462 and closing minus opening is minus 36,337 pounds. So from this assessment calculation, your pension growth is minus 36,337 pounds 50. Now, at the moment, as the current legislation stands, negative growth cannot be used to offset historic tax charges, or it can't be carried across for growth in any other pension scheme, which is hugely unfair. So let's say, for example, that minus 36,000 you've got, the negative growth is zeroed. And then you've got this other pension scheme, the 2015 pension scheme, that has its own pension growth calculation. And I've simplified it here, whereby the pension increases by 2,916. So the growth within that scheme is 46,000. So even though you've got minus 36 on one hand, plus 46 on this one, the overall growth is still 46 because they've zeroed that negative growth. So under the current annual allowance charges limit of 40, you'd end up with a tax charge, which seems a bit unfair and a bit nuts. What they're saying with the budget is that where you have these open and closed public service schemes, then they will consider them linked for the purposes of calculating annual allowance charges. It's a good fix. It's not the best fix because it's only allowing it in the one year because there will be some people that will have negative growth that they can't use in that year and you can't carry forward negative growth, unfortunately, into future years. But you can use it within the same year now. So if we go back to our calculation, that minus 36,000 stays as minus 36,000. We can now add that to the 46,000 and now their pension growth is 10,329. So instead of breaching the old 40,000 limit, they've now got significant headroom. And with annual allowance now at 60,000, they will also have significant headroom for future tax years as well. So that real terms reduction of 95 benefits has actually been factored into these pension growth calculations. So that is very positive news in the way that they've done that. It's not the best solution because let's say, for example, your growth in the 2015 scheme was less than the 36,000 and you'd end up with an overall negative growth, that will still be zeroed. You can't carry that forward to next year, unfortunately, but it's definitely better than the previous regime. Do you want to recap on that, Tom? You were happy with those? (laughs) Uh, I'm too nervous to recap on it, but I think there's a few interesting things that you said. So you said everyone is now in the 2015 scheme, and the reason for that is McLeod. I mean, that is another... (laughs) Let's not go there today because... I can already feel people's brains heating up here. So everyone's in the 2015 scheme, but this just seems like much fairer to be able to offset that negative growth. But massive shame that you can't carry it around like forward or backwards or forward, should we say? There were two really big things wrong with the Finance Act. One was this negative growth and the other is CPI disconnects because at the moment what happens is that those annual allowance opening values use the September CPI before the pension period starts. Because the scheme year where you accrue benefits runs from the 1st of April to the 31st of March, rather than the 6th of April to the 5th of April, 
Those revaluation of benefits, which applies to the 2015 scheme and also your 9508 practitioners, they revalue using CPI after the tax year starts. So we have this awful situation whereby in years of rising inflation, like going from 3.1% to 10.1%, we would have huge tax charges just because of inflation. So I know it's not the topic of today's conversation, but one thing they have done to address that is they are also looking to move that revaluation date to the 6th. So that should tackle that. And the other big issue was this negative growth, which, again, they're looking to tackle by these combined pension inputs amounts. So definitely a lot better. Definitely a lot better. Although they probably should have just fixed the Finance Act. It would have been a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got a podcast and things about that in the past. I think we need like the equivalent of a swear jar. If you say certain two, me- two complicated words. So CPI disconnect, that's on our swear <laughs> jar list. I think Ed always mentions adjusted net income in yep. relation to tax-free childcare. That's a swear jar. So uh, we'll look forward to your donation to the swear jar <laughs> for saying CPI disconnect. And McLeod should be on the swear jar. Let's talk about what we were going to talk about today before the script got ripped up, which was the lifetime allowance. Yeah, so the lifetime allowance, again, a bit of a refreshment and a bit of a backtrack. So the lifetime allowance is the total amount you can take out from your pension schemes before you become liable to a tax charge. So any excess income above that is charged at 25% and any excess lump sums are 55%. So originally it started off at one and a half million, started increasing and then seen as quite an easy target to raise additional revenue. So we saw it go down in 2012-13, then again and again until it was eventually frozen at 1,073,100. Each time this has gone down, by the way, there have been protections in force. So even back in 2006-07, there was something called primary protection and enhanced protection. Enhanced protection, pretty useless for hostocs but very useful for GPs as long as you never joined the 2015 scheme. And we also still have protections open. There's one called Individual Protection 2016, whereby you can protect your lifetime allowance up to 1.25 million based on the value of your pension as at the 5th of April 16. And that might still be useful, and I'll come on to that in a second. But as in a DC scheme, defined contribution scheme, like a personal pension or SIP, it's really easy to see where you are on your lifetime allowance, you just look at the fund value. But it's got nothing to do with that in the NHS pension. There is no fund, there's no pot of money. It's simply pension entitlement. So your pension scheme benefits are converted into a capital value. So we've got another formula, so feel free to pause if you needed to, but it's your annual pension, but this time multiplied by 20, and then you add your lump sum. So let's say, for example, you had a pension of 50,000 with a lump sum of 150,000, then the capital value for that is the 50,000 times by 20 plus the 150,000. So it's 1.15 million. And as we speak in the 22-23 tax year, that exceeds the lifetime allowance. So you've breached it by 76,900. And so there's a tax charge of 25%, 19,225 pounds. Now, they're not going to ask you on the day you retire to dip into your bank account and give them £19,225. You don't have to borrow or anything like that. What happens is there's a permanent reduction made to your pension to take account of that. And it's done by an actuarial factor that depends on your age. So if you are age 60, then that factor is 21.66. And so your pension is reduced by £887.58 in perpetuity. So If you died the next day, the scheme aren't going to ask your estate for the other £18,000. 
Likewise, if you carry on living until sort of you're 100, you can't go back to the scheme and say, wait a minute, I've paid you more than the £19,000. It's a one-off transaction that is done on the day. Now, in quite a bit of a shock, they simply abolished the lifetime allowance charge. So the lifetime allowance charge will be abolished from 2023 and the lifetime allowance itself will be gone completely from April 2024. Now, there is one bit of a rule that's still a bit of a legacy that's been left in there. So that tax-free cash, the pension commencement lump sum or PCLS, that will be retained at its current level of 268275 unless you have lifetime allowance protection in place. And it's going to stay stuck at that 268275. So let's say, for example, you had no protection. Well, your max PCLS is going to be 268275. But if you had individual protection 2016, and let's say you had the maximum amount at 1.25 million, well, you would be able to still have 25% of that value as tax-free cash. So that'd be 312,500. Same things will apply to fixed protection, enhanced protection. And they've even said, if you still hold enhanced protection and it's valid and you have fixed protection, you will be able to accrue new pension benefits join new pension arrangements or transfer without losing that protection, which was previously would breach those protection limits. And that would enable you to keep this higher pension commencement lump sum. Now, bearing in mind, the majority of your capital value for lifetime allowance is derived from your pension income because it's pension times 20 plus lump sum. There's going to be potentially a lot of tax-free cash that you might be able to take out of personal pensions. And given that a lot of medics tend to have earnings where they lose personal allowance, lose access to childcare, etc., all of these measures combined create a bit of like a pensions Goldilocks zone, whereby you might be able to make personal pension contributions to recover your personal allowance, to recover access to childcare, and not be worried about the lifetime allowance charge on the way out. Now, big caveat to this, this is a highly specialised and highly complex area. And for those, I would strongly recommend speaking to a financial advisor before you either sort of take an action or refrain from taking any action on that one. That's pretty much what's happened with lifetime allowance. Yeah. So just on that point, I mentioned this earlier that I wanted to talk about personal pensions because... You mentioned there are several key tax reliefs that you lose. So you lose your personal allowance, your tax-free personal allowance. If you go over 100,000, it tapers right down until you get to 125, 140. We talk about that all the time because the marginal rate in that area is pretty bad. It's at least 60%. It just, yeah. So we've been banging on about that for ages. So you could get back down under that threshold by doing personal pension contributions. But previously you ran a risk or near certainty of getting an annual allowance tax charge because of the annual allowance was down at 40,000. But what you're saying now is possibly take advice from a specialist, as you said, but possibly that whole world of tax planning now opens up. So if you're a consultant or other doctor on a hundred thousand pounds and you've got two kids and you're doing tax-free childcare, if you go to 101,000 of adjusted net income, you just lose all of that tax-free childcare now, what you're saying now is you could do a personal pensions contribution to get you back down under that threshold. You could, not advice, we have to caveat that, but it's just opened up a whole world of possible planning opportunities which were not available 
previously. Absolutely. So it's definitely worth understanding your position. And the rules around this are ridiculously complicated, unfortunately. So I would strongly recommend getting specialist support, taking that forward. Yeah, definitely. Adjusted net income is like a swear word for Ed. So when he mentions it, he puts a swear <laughs> jar. But because it's just so complicated calculating it, if you get it wrong, it's going to cost you a lot. But if you're near to one of those thresholds where the marginal rate is not good yeah speak to a specialist okay yeah mistakes yeah so i wanted to revisit this because when we last spoke we had literally just launched our direct member service which is all about sort of technical support rather than financial advice and it's not accountancy or anything like that so the one thing i would urge all members to do is to check your pension record because even though annual allowance and lifetime allowance are changing going forward your past has a significant impact on how you ultimately get your pension benefits so when we last did a recording, we had saved members over one and a half million pounds correcting pension records since May 2019. And that's through the work that we do in supporting financial advisors and accountancy firms. We then launched the direct service. And since our recording, not that long ago, we've now saved over three million pounds correcting pension records. So this is annual allowance errors. And I'll just run through the key ones we're finding. One is best of three. So this is whereby the old annual allowance statements, they used the pension based on last year's pensionable pay rather than the best of the last three. So if your pay went down and then up again, then you'd be paying for the same growth twice. Now, McLeod, which again, will probably solve that for most people between 2015 and 2022. But remember that carry forward allowance and you'll need your carry forward from the years prior to 2015. So We've been spotting best of three issues from 2013, 14, 14, 15, that when fixed, suddenly get rid of tax charges in 15, 16, 16, 17. So it's definitely worth checking your record for those. The other is misallocated arrears. So this is where you receive pensionable pay for a previous year. Biggest culprit of these was the old clinical excellence awards, the old locals and the old nationals. Just to give you an idea, just in three cases that I wrote to ACA about, there were £200,000 of corrections just from three cases there. And there's a bit of a niche one, which is inordinate pay, whereby if you were to take on bank work and you had artificially spiked your pay, you can apply for the inordinate rules to be applied to your pension. So when you retire, if you try and game the system and double your pensionable pay by doing bank work, NHS pensions will look at your record and say, hey, that's not right. We're going to normalise your pay and give you a pension based on what we think your pay should have been. And you can use that same rule during your career as well. So you can then sort of dampen down those artificial annual allowance pay spikes and also incorrect carry forward. We see this lots of times. So Carry forward uses the unused allowances from the last three years, but those three years impacted by the three years prior to them. We also had the mini budget of 1516 with its own set of complicated rules. Rule of thumb, always go back to 2010-11. And there's a very easy way to do that. If you contact NHS pensions 0300 330 1346 and ask for a copy of your annual allowance and service and pay extract spreadsheet. They can send you this great document that at the top has all of your annual allowance history. It has the growth, the opening values that we're talking about earlier, the closing values that we talked about earlier, for the 95 scheme, the 08 scheme, the 2015 scheme. And it also has a complete breakdown of your career history. So it will show you for each job, start date, end date, pensionable pay, if you're on a less than full-time contract, it will show you how many hours you've worked, what the sessional rate is, what the hourly rate is. And then if you want to check for easy errors, just times that sessional rate by the number of hours that would be a standard contract and then annualize it by, say, 52. So hours times 37.5 times by 52. 
And if it comes out as like 300, 400,000, there's something wrong with your role. So it's definitely worth a check on doing that. If you do want support, well, that's where we can help. We have an NHS pension report service. This isn't financial advice. So where I was talking earlier about tax returns, see a specialist medical accountant. For pension contributions, see a specialist financial advisor. If you want some help with your NHS pension to understand it, if you want to check for errors and sort of project what your pension benefits could be, we can model your pension to your chosen date of retirement, include early retirement factors, late retirement factors, scheme pays, McLeod, taking on a lease car, taking on management responsibilities. We do lots of work with NHS pension members and their financial advisor or with their accountant as well. And really easy to do this. We charge 650 plus VAT. You can apply at the medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash NHSPR or simply scan the QR code. We've just started doing trust pilot reviews and great. We're having great response and feedback. Not surprisingly, because we've saved one and a half million pounds extra since we launched this. So if you do need any support, then please do get in touch. Yeah, that was amazing. Really quick run through. I'm guessing a lot of people are going to be hitting pause on this YouTube, which is fine. So you mentioned the paperwork. The paperwork is really important here. It's a great place to start. If you're sat there thinking, oh my goodness, this, I've not done any of this. I've made a little guide about how to get the paperwork. So you've got your total award statement, you've got your annual allowance service and pay extracts that Graham mentioned, relatively new thing, that's very useful. And of course, you've got the old school now, it seems old school now, but still important, <laughs> the pension saving statements or sometimes called the annual allowance statement. So I've put the link to that down below because if you're at early stage of your career, you like, a, you know, if you're a junior doctor, you probably just need to get your total award statement every year. But then the guide explains a bit more. So check that out. I wanted to just drill into this a bit more because people are thinking, like, do I need help? How do I get help? So you could do it yourself. Okay. And by that, I mean, you could get the paperwork yourself and do the calculations that Graham mentioned to try and spot the errors. Okay. Then the next step would be if you want to just get a more detailed report or sense check something or make sure that things are accurate, then that's where your pensions report service yep. fits in. Is that right? Yep. But if you're like, should I leave the pension? Should I get a private pension? What is my tax-free childcare entitlement? That's just straight into advice territory, which is where you come to Medics Money to find the best advisors in the business. Is that like how people should think about where your report fits into the kind of extreme from one extreme, just doing it yourself, not recommended to the other extreme, just phoning a financial advisor right now and throwing a load of paperwork at them? What we tend to find is a lot of people that go through our service then realize, actually, I also need to do some financial planning as well now that I've identified where I'm going and what I'm doing. So, but yes, I'm with the changes in the budget, it is definitely worth speaking through all of these levels of services now and just by all means, try and do it yourself. And I'm a big advocate of self-education when it comes to NHS pensions. And there's some great resources out there, in fairness, such as on the NHS pensions own website. There's a lot of good stuff there. But it does get complicated. And the rules and regulations for the 95 scheme, 08 scheme and 15, how they interact are ridiculously complicated. And just to give you an idea, I just spoke to somebody just last week who was looking to return to the pension scheme because they've been out for a bit of time. But had they gone back four days too early, their pension will pay would have been £20,000 less. And that's all just because of niche rules and how they interact. So it's unfortunately ridiculously complicated. But there's support out there. 
Absolutely, definitely. Graham, that was awesome. I know we both got to go on the school run, so yes. I'll let you get on. But the details are on the screen there. There's links in the show notes below as well. Thanks so much for your time. Take care. Great stuff. All the best.